Welcome to the Wake Up Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Listen, these podcasts are best listened to in the morning because we are waking up not only our bodies from sleeping, but we're waking up our minds. We're waking up our focus. We're waking up our calling and we are following the breadcrumbs that God has left for us throughout the day over our life to tell us exactly what to do next. So stop saying that you don't know what to do. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. Because today we have a very, very special call. I am thrilled to do this. And I, for just so many reasons, the first reason is because God told me to do this call and gate like unfolded this entire plan in front of me within two seconds. And I wrote it down really fast and I'm like, I have to do that. This is going to be so good. So for one, I feel like it was totally God. And for two, I think this is going to be very life-giving to so many people and it's going to be encouraging and it's going to help you just feel so much better. So I had a survey that was made up of 30 something questions and it was completely anonymous. And some of you probably took the survey. If you're listening to this and you didn't take the survey, it's okay, you didn't miss anything. I wanted 100 women to take the survey. So I had a good enough chunk of data to be able to analyze and, and share with you. We ended up having 127 people fill out the survey, which is incredible. I was like, wow, we just like blew past our goal. So we had 127 women fill out the survey. And for filling out the survey, you had a chance to uh, win a free chosen and anointed t-shirt, which aren't released yet, but they will be released soon. I'm working with a marketing team and building a website. And I just sent him like six more clothing designs yesterday that I've created. And I told him, I'm like, I need these done ASAP in my size, in my shirt so that I can start wearing them because I'm obsessed with them and I cannot wait. So anyway, you get a chosen and anointed t-shirt without them even being released yet. So that was the giveaway, but I wanted women to feel safe and I wanted them to feel like there was no judgment and nobody would know their answers. So there was completely anonymous. You didn't have to give anything that would give you up of who you were. And the questions were kind of tough. They were kind of deep. I actually had a few women message me and were like, whoa, that was really tough. Two minutes. That was like a lot. I wasn't expecting that. And the reason why I went in so deep and so raw and so real is because I truly feel like awareness is the very first part of healing and realizing your brokenness instead of just pushing it over to the side and just covering it up and running from it. You need to first be aware of why you are the way you are. And I've coached thousands of women and I can tell you that every single thing that they have done is because of something they've had happen to them, or they developed this coping mechanism because of something. And you're not crazy. You're not abnormal. You're not alone. You're not the only one. The Bible says for every single person has fallen short and sinned. 
everyone. The only person who was on this earth who didn't sin was Jesus. And we are not Jesus. And we sin all the time. And from talking to women, I found that because of our sin and because of our trauma, we develop this skewed way of thinking of our worth, of our value. We're unable to forgive ourselves. We're unable to forgive others. It creates resentment in us, bitterness in us. Therefore, we're not following our purpose. We're not trusting in God. We're following this world and we're wondering why we feel so terrible, why we feel so drained, why we feel so burnt out, why we hate ourselves, why we don't think that we're enough. We don't believe we're valuable and it's really not your fault. And I felt like it was the perfect time to do this call because I am just so sick and tired of hearing women feel like it's their fault because they're struggling with all these issues or not letting their sin and their past go. And it's hindering them from walking forward into God's calling because they don't feel like they're worthy to go to God or they feel like God's mad at them or they don't know God and they don't understand this. And so whether you're really strong in your faith, you would consider yourself an atheist or anything in between, this call is for you because this isn't a call based on emotions or my opinion, this is facts. These are things that are from the Bible that are written down. And you cannot convince me that God doesn't exist because I experience God. And the more you grow and the more you, you do these things, you will experience God. And once you experience him, you can't deny it. You're like, I don't care if you tried to prove it to me. I have this feeling and where does this feeling come from? So in my devotional this morning, it says, James 4, 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. And that is a promise. And so when you start drawing nearer to God and you start listening to godly podcasts and going to church and reading the Bible and doing devotionals and studies and praying and listening to Christian music, when you start doing this, you will start to develop this feeling, this experience of God. You will have the fruits of the spirit, which are joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, these things that we struggle with. You know, how many people struggle to just be nice? Like <laughs> That was me. I just struggled to be nice. That was such a struggle for me. I was always in a bad mood. And I just wanted to be happy. And that's all I kept saying, but I realized it wasn't happiness I wanted. It was joy. And when I spend a day with God, like yesterday, I spent almost all day doing stuff for God and, and praying. I woke up before the sun came up and sat outside and watched the sunrise and prayed for 20, 30 minutes and just confessed everything in my heart and begged God to help. And I woke up this morning and I am literally so joyful that I was just, I had tears in my eyes like three or four times so far this morning, realizing how happy I was, how joyful I was. And then after I dropped my daughter off at school and was coming back home and was praying, I just started bawling because I cannot believe that this is how I feel. If you would have told me this a year and a half ago, I wouldn't have believed you. I knew that freedom was on the other end of this, but I didn't really know, like I knew and I was trusting like, okay, God, here it goes. I guess show me the way. 
But to be on this side of it is just incredible. It is the most amazing feeling. I was journaling a year and a half ago about wanting to end my life. I was miserable. I hated everything, everyone. I valued myself zero. I felt worthless. I was riddled with anxiety and depression and panic attacks and everything around me was crumbling and failing and I was struggling. And now to see everything as the opposite, it just sets this fire in my soul to not stop preaching and teaching what I've done and what I've learned through God and through the Bible, because all of the women who feel like I used to feel, there is hope for you. There is hope for you. One day you will believe in your soul. I am the daughter of the highest King. I am valuable. And it's not just a belief of, yeah, I believe that. Okay. God says that I'm his daughter. He's the highest King. I believe that. It's the way that you carry yourself. It's the things that you stand for. If you truly believe you're the daughter of the highest king and you're valuable, you won't let people treat you like garbage. You won't stay in relationships with people that don't give you what God says that you deserve. You won't let people walk all over you. You won't be struggling with people pleasing and trust issues and you'll have this confidence and this boldness about you when you walk around and you won't be riddled with fear. So it's not just, oh yeah, I believe that. I believe in what God says. It's how you carry yourself. It's the feeling inside of you, the emotions that you're under. And after a while, it becomes a way of life and it does get easier. And so some of these questions on here were, I don't want to say shocking when I saw the answers because this is kind of what I expected, but I was really sad when I saw the responses on the survey. At first I was sad and then I was passionate and fired up because I could not wait for all of you to hear this podcast. I'm like, just let me at them. I can't wait to encourage them. I can't wait to breathe life into them. And the devil, we're going to talk about, I actually categorized these questions into four categories. And the categories are harms done to you, heartache, harms done by you, and the devil's plan. And the one that has the most in it is the devil's plan because his number one goal the entire time that you're alive, even before you're alive, he is trying to ruin your life. And we're going to talk about that a little more, but so 127 women participated in the study. And the first one I'm going to go over is harms done to you. And so these things that I'm going to talk about, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, no five. There's five questions that were asked that were categorized under this harms done to you. And harms done to you are usually caused from generational sin. So because of others' brokenness, they harm others. And you're going to see how you actually harm others as well in the category of harms done by you. Yes, some of these things that I asked were harms that you have caused, whether you caused them to yourself or to others. But because of your brokenness, 
you harm others, not on purpose, but it's just a byproduct. It's just what happens. You're not being punished by God because others sinned. So let's say that your parents were drug addicts and you grow up and you become a drug addict. You're not being punished because your parents sinned that now God is giving you this punishment. He never gives punishments like that. In fact, in John chapter nine, verses one through three, it says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Because Genesis 50, 20 says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So God turns every single situation that the devil is trying to ruin. He turns it for good to glorify him and to be the hero in the situation. So even though the devil's plan is generational sin and for people to be broken to hurt others to continue this generation, God says, I am going to turn this around and instead of her becoming a drug addict, she's going to be delivered from this and it's going to be an amazing story where God gets the glory. But what happens is because someone has harmed you, it makes you question your worth. You build up these walls because you need to protect yourself. So if you have been abused you build up these walls because you want to protect yourself. So you become a people pleaser. You start controlling everything you can around you and become a control freak because when you are in control, you can protect yourself. And you have poor boundaries because you're people pleasing and you don't trust anyone or anything, which means it's really hard for you to also trust God because your story has shown that you cannot trust anyone especially if the abuse was done by someone who was supposedly loving you, it makes it even harder. And that's why you can't trust God. And that's why you can't let go of control. And that's why you're running yourself rampant. You're so burnt out. You're so exhausted because you're people pleasing and you feel terrible because you don't have good boundaries set in place. So it's kind of this circle story where one is causing the other, which is causing the very thing in the beginning. So the questions that were asked were, I have been physically abused. 35% of people said yes. And the reason why I'm giving you the stats is because I want you to know that you are not alone. Out of every single question that was asked, there was not just one person who said yes. The lowest one we had was, I think, five people said yes. And that is still five people out of 127 who are struggling with something similar. The devil wants you to think you're the only one struggling with this. And as I read these answers, you're going to see like the devil has really taken a hold of you. The devil has really gotten in your mind. The devil has really succeeded in a lot of your lives because of the way that you're acting, the things that you're experiencing. 41% have been sexually abused. 41%, 75% have been emotionally abused. That is an insane number. 75% of you have been emotionally abused, which that directly affects your self-worth. 
If someone tells you over and over and over and over again, you're worthless, you're a piece of crap, you'll never amount to anything. They play games on you. They cheat on you. They manipulate you. That rewires your brain. Over time, you start to believe it. That's why you see women that are in abusive relationships, they can't leave and get away because they believe in what the person is telling them. So they believe they're worthless. So why would they leave and go find someone else? They're like, yeah, I'm a piece of garbage. So they stay and they keep repeating the cycle. 59% of women said that they have had severe trauma in their life. So that's building up walls, becoming self-protective, controlling. And 60% of people have been cheated on by a partner. So again, affects your worth. Tells you that you're not enough. You're not valuable. But that's pretty much all of those are the majority. Like the majority of women in all of those things besides two said yes. So another category is heartache that you've experienced. And what happens with heartache is that you question or you curse God. Why is this happening? Why me? Why do bad things happen to good people? If God loved everyone, why would he let this devastation occur? And you have a lot of questions, which questions are good. You should ask questions. And if you have a lot of questions, you can go to gotquestions.org. And you can ask any question you want about Christianity and the answer will come up and you'll be able to read and understand. You can type in, why do good things happen to, why do bad things happen to good people? And it will literally give you the answer. It'll give you scriptures and there's a video you can watch. It's like usually two, three minutes long. And then it gives you the written version if you would rather do that. It is a phenomenal website. I'm there all the time. My son asked me the other day, mom, is playing the lottery against what God says? I'm like, I don't know. I don't think so. Like, let me look. And so I showed him. We went to gotquestions.org. I typed it in and it talked all about, it's only a sin if it's, if you're, you have the love of money, if it's an obsession, if you're you know spending all your stuff. So it was good for me to show him. So you don't have to wonder and question like, what? I wonder why. Just go on there and ask the questions and find the answers. But you also will question your life and your purpose. And when you do that, you really struggle with depression because you feel hopeless and worthless and sad. And a lot of you have struggled with heartache. 18% of you have battled or are currently battling infertility. 18%. of you have lost a child. 8% have lost a partner. 5% don't love your husbands anymore. And you're still in a marriage. That's a lot of heartache. And 3% secretly don't even like their children anymore because everything they do just upsets them. And so going through these things, losing a partner, losing a child, falling out of love, hating your children, you love them, but you can't stand them at the same time. 
battling infertility. You're questioning God. You're cursing God. Why me? Why is this happening? Are you even there? Do you even care? And what happens is you turn bitter and you turn angry and you're triggered. And when you do that, you can't live out your purpose. You can't focus on the goodness of God. You don't have joy. You don't have peace. You have all the opposite. And so if you're wondering why you don't like your kids anymore, and I think a lot of you would have answered this question, yes, a lot more of you would have answered the question about not liking your children anymore. If maybe I would have worded it a little bit different, um, you love your children, but right now you're currently in a period where you don't like them. And I hear a lot of moms admit that and feel so much shame and guilt. Like, I can't even say that out loud. And you're in good company. You're not alone. Yes, God blessed you with these children, but you can't stand them. And so you feel shame and guilt. You're triggered. You're an angry mom, which we'll talk about that in a little bit. You're building up these walls. You're cursing God. You're distanced from him. And you're wondering why you're feeling so awful. It's because of what you've experienced, the heartache you've experienced. The next section is harms done by you. And this one is, is one of my favorites because it's easy when you think of harms done to you, like because of others brokenness, they have harmed you. How dare they? How dare they harm me? And it's easy to look at other sin and to judge and criticize and to feel righteous in your own self. But when it comes to harms done by you, these are things that you have caused the harm. Now, it's not only you. So I don't want, to, I, this is not your fault. It, there's a difference here. But these are things that because others have hurt you, you now have changed the way you think and the way that you value. You've rewired your brain out of self-defense and self-protective that you now are acting in this way that's actually harming you. You don't realize that this is harming you to the core, but it is. And so what happens is this is generational sin continued. It's, it's continued. Now you're doing this and now your children are being affected by it. And you're not doing it to affect your children and to abuse them and to neglect them and all of these things, but you're doing it because you're triggered. You're doing it because the way you're wired, you're doing it for self-protection, for coping. And others didn't love you and value you, so you don't value you. They have told you over and over and over, I don't value you, I don't love you. Maybe they haven't said the words, but they've done the actions that approve that. So you don't value you. And a lot of these things you're going to see, like I said, are coping or numbing, a way to just turn off your emotions and escape. And I see that a lot with women who carry a lot of shame and guilt, especially when I do these clarity calls for people. If you want to talk to me and you want to share with me your story and you want some encouragement and just some value given to you and some wisdom you can click the link in my bio on Instagram at Taryn Sarconi and scroll down maybe halfway down and you can book a clarity call with me. It's a free 30 minute call and I'll hear your story. I'll tell you what I would do. I'll give you some wisdom. And it's been very encouraging and life-giving to so many women. So if you feel like you're alone, 
and you feel like you have no one to talk to, or you just want to talk to a stranger, you know, that is like the best thing to do because they don't really know you. So they can't judge you. Like, I have no idea who most of you are. So I don't judge you at all. And I don't think of your family or your kids or whatever. Like, I just look at it scripturally and take the emotions out of it. You're covered in the emotion. So it's changing your perspective. And it's really skewing how you think and how you see the world and how you see yourself. And there's a podcast that I did about perspective lenses and emotional awareness. And it's really good if this is something that you're struggling with. It is episode 51. So go listen to episode 51 after this, if this is something that you feel like you need to get out of this, but emotional awareness is really good. You need to first be aware of the emotions and why you're experiencing the things you're experiencing. If you're an angry mom, it's not because you were just wired that way. You're just an angry mom. It's because you're triggered. It's because your emotion that you're in is causing you to be angry. Why are you in that emotion? What is causing that emotion? And there's a great book called Triggers. And it's by Wendy and someone else. I forget the other author. Um, their last name is Speak. Wendy Speak. It's Triggers. It's amazing. It's for motherhood and being triggered and being an angry mom. But you're using this to escape. You're coping. You're numbing. Amber Leah. Thank you, Brie. Amber Leah and Wendy speak. So the first question was, I have made myself throw up on purpose. 27% of people have said yes. That is harm done by you to you. I have intentionally not eaten or starved myself in order to lose weight. 43% of women said yes. That is a harm done by you to you. I have intentionally cut or harmed myself, 18%. I have had sex with someone who I didn't love as an attempt to feel loved. 63% of people said this. And this whole thing on sex and love, and I could talk about this for literally ever, I just came back from a marriage seminar on Saturday and learned so much about the way that God has wired men and women. And I just want to tell you this because I feel like someone needs to hear this and I'm not ready to do an entire podcast on this, but I will soon one day when I'm ready. But the way that God has designed sex inside of marriage is beautiful. It's amazing. It's a gift. Women need to feel like men are connected to our heart in order to want to have sex with them. It's for women, it's a heart thing. We want to feel heard. We want to feel accepted. We want to feel valued. We want to feel loved. It's all in our hearts. And when we feel that, we can open up and we feel like having sex with our partner. Men are not wired that way. And for men, it's really not about their heart. It's a physical feeling of, I need to have sex. I want to do this. Men have all this testosterone in their body and to them, they want to do this. And after they have sex, it's, it's different than when women are done having sex. And so when you come together and if a woman feels loved and is having sex with someone, 
we're doing it to be closer. We, we want to be a closer connection to feel close and valuable. So what happens when you have sex outside of marriage, you're, uh, let's just even say not even in a relationship. So having sex with someone who you didn't love as an attempt to feel loved, in the moment you feel loved, you feel valued, you feel wanted, you feel chosen. You feel exciting and free and passionate and desired. You feel all these things that you're lacking that you want to feel. But right when it's over, men completely detach, especially if the love isn't there. And so it leaves you feeling a million times worse than before because now you had another person treat you with love. So you thought and then leave you. So in your mind, the walls just got bigger, you closed off, you isolated more, you feel more shame and guilt, you feel more devastation, you feel more abandonment, rejection. You know, it just makes it so much worse. And you're doing it because you want to feel loved. And I'm speaking from experience. I did this so much. When I, I had so much sexual sin in my life that I had to heal from. And when I healed from it and saw things from a different perspective and a different angle, I realized this is all of what it was. I had abandonment issues. I had no value in myself. I wanted to feel desired, accepted, needed, all of these things. And so I thought that this would make me feel like something. It would numb my emotions. It would help me to turn off my emotions and escape. It was a way to escape. And 63% of you have said that you have done this too. So the reason why I'm telling you this, you're like, hey, Taryn, well, it's too late for me. I already did this. So like, I can't really learn my lesson. But if you have children, this is a great thing to explain to them when you feel like they're ready to hear this. Because so many parents just say, don't have sex. Sex is bad. Don't even talk about it. it don't even talk about it. You shouldn't do it. It's for when you're married. Just move on. But kids need to realize, especially our young girls, that having sex with someone that you don't love, having sex with someone who you're not married to, is going to cause so much destruction in your life to come because we're wired to connect with that person for life when we experience that with them. So when you're being ripped apart, that experience was supposed to be for a lifetime and now it's not. So now we feel even worse. And it's my passion to teach our children this at a young age. So it's not just don't do it, but here's why. And here's what will happen if you do. And 48% of us have used drugs to cope, numb the pain, turn off the emotions and escape. 48%, that's almost half. 11% have abused prescription pills as a way to cope which is numbing, turning off your emotions, escaping. 42% have abused alcohol as a way to cope. Because what happens is when you're feeling terrible, you want to feel better. So let's say you have a super bad day, a bad day at work. Everyone was on your nerves. Everything that went wrong, everything that could have went wrong, went wrong. 
everything was falling apart. You were fighting with your husband. You got a call from the school. Your kids are in trouble. You're just annoyed. Your day sucked. You're going to do something to try to feel better. It's human desire to do that. I want to feel better. So you come home, you're like, oh, I need a glass of wine. Oh, I need to go shopping this weekend. I need to go on Amazon and go shopping right now. I need some retail therapy. And people say these things like jokes, like, oh, I just, you know, retail therapy. I need to go out and feel better. And, you know, whatever, I can take a joke. If you're just saying it to say it and you're just, you know, whatever, retail therapy, it does feel good to shop. And I'm not saying that you should never shop and you should never drink wine. But if you're doing these things to cope, to feel better, that is a problem because you're numbing the pain, you're sweeping it under the rug, which is causing a mound under the rug, which you're going to trip over one day. It's not like this stuff just sweeps under the rug and it just disappears. It doesn't go into a hole underneath the rug. It builds up. And one day you're going to be walking and you're going to trip and you're going to fall flat on your face. And this is what happens. It's not like I just woke up one day and was depressed out of nowhere. For me, it was this slow buildup. It was struggling with abandonment when I was younger with my biological father. It was struggling to fit in and not feeling like I belong, not knowing who I really was, not knowing my real identity, not knowing what God really said about me. I didn't know it. I didn't believe it. I just wanted to fit in. I wanted to belong and I wanted to feel better. I just felt so bad and I didn't know why. So I started partying and I started sleeping around and then I started focusing on money and stuff. And you'll see in a minute how that's God's plan or that's the devil's plan. It's not the God's plan. And so what happens is it's just like creeps up a little, a little, a little, a little every day. And then all of a sudden you're just so depressed. 37% of you have considered suicide. And then you want to take your own life because it's gotten so bad. The pile is so bad and you have trauma and then you've covered it up and done things to numb it, which then produces shame and guilt and devastation. And you do more things and then you feel even more guilt and then you can't forgive yourself and you become bitter and resentful and and it just spirals out of control. And it all starts because of something that when that happened or a way that you decided to cope at a really young age, some of us had to learn these things by age two. You know, they did a study where they showed children in orphanages. And if they fall down and get hurt, and even the babies, they don't even cry. Babies lay in their cribs. They don't even cry anymore. Children fall down and hurt. They don't even cry because they know nobody is coming. They don't have a mom or a dad that are going to run to them and say, oh, baby, are you okay? Let me kiss your boo-boos. You know, they have a couple of people in the orphanage and sometimes hundreds of children. And so they just learn, whatever, this is my life. I don't, as, a child, as a baby, they learn this. So... 39% have been cheated. Uh, they have cheated on a partner before. And I'm sure if you're someone who's cheated 39%, almost 39.4%. Okay. So very close to 50%. Almost half of us have cheated on a partner before. And this includes me. I have cheated on a partner before. You probably regret it so bad. You probably have so 
much shame and guilt. You're like, why would I do that? Especially if you've been cheated on before, like, you know how it feels. Like, why would I cheat on someone? And it's probably not because you loved this person so much. You know, usually we don't cheat with someone that we just love and adore so much. Usually you cheat on someone. I mean, sometimes you do and you have affairs and it goes into love and it starts with lust and love and all of these things. But the majority of us who cheat are cheating and you're like, that was a terrible mistake. I wish I would have never have done that. And I talked to someone recently who had so much shame and guilt around cheating. And when I asked her questions about her life and kind of peeled things back and got the whole story, she struggled with sexual temptation when she was very young and had a lot of sexual sin in her life. But then when we peeled it back even further, it was because she never felt loved and adored and chosen. And she never felt valued. And she just felt controlled. And she never felt heard. And so she was neglected and had that trauma in her life. She also had a lot of abuse. And so this was an attempt to feel better. So when she got in a fight with her significant other, she went and cheated because she wanted to numb the pain. She wanted to escape. She wanted to feel desired and loved in that moment. It had nothing to do with the person. It had nothing to do with the act. It had to do with the feeling. And this is what happens. And so then you have all the shame and guilt and you can't forgive yourself and you're idolizing yourself because you can't forgive yourself. That is an idol. If you care more about what you think versus what God says, you're idolizing yourself over God. And that is a huge sin. You're worshiping your own thoughts and desires over God. And you should not be doing that. God says he can forgive you. He says he already has forgiven you. All you have to do is ask for forgiveness and believe you have it and you have it. And a lot of us can forgive other people, but when it comes to forgiving ourselves, we're like, oh no, oh no, I can forgive you, but I can never forgive myself for what I did. But all that does is it just keeps you in bitterness. It keeps you in resentment. You can't move forward with your purpose and calling in life. So it's a way that the devil takes what happens and holds you in this shackle. So I did two podcasts on forgiveness, episode 78 and 79. If you're really battling with forgiveness, these are great podcasts for you to go listen to after this and to learn to forgive not only those who have harmed you, which is very hard to do, but the forgiveness of the harms that you have done by you to others or to yourself. So the last category is the largest one, and this one is the devil's plan. So like I said, the entire time since you were conceived and before that, he is trying to create more generational sin for you to pass down to your next generation because he wants it to keep going. And I've been watching Intervention since I've gotten sober, I have this like obsession with other people getting sober and seeing them like flourish in their life. And I've been watching Intervention on Netflix. And in the first episode, the therapist, the guy who does the intervention, 
he's talking about how addiction and how things happen through generations and this girl who's struggling with a crack addiction her dad died of a crack overdose and addiction and his dad died of a crack overdose addiction and now she is getting so sick and they're like she is about to die if she doesn't and her son is four and they're trying to get her to go to rehab and to change before her son realizes what's going on so it doesn't continue into her son and the thing that made her go to rehab was a letter her son wrote to her and said mommy I just want you to be better I don't like that you're sick all the time I don't like when you tell me you're going to be right back and you don't come back why do you leave me why are you not there for me and she's sobbing of course any mother would just be sobbing because she wants to stop being addicted she wants to be there for her son. She knows her dad died of crack. She knows her grandpa died of crack. She knows she's about to die from it and she can't change it. And that's really what sin is. We do not have the ability to change ourselves. And I talked about that in our last podcast in episode 88. We talked all about the scriptures that talk about that. When Paul talks in Romans about for I want to change, but I can't. I have the, the desire to change, but I don't have the ability to carry it out. And I want to do what's right, but I do what's bad. And I know it's bad, but I can't do what is right. And he goes back and forth. And that is the truth. We can't change in our own strength. The only way that you can change is if you give your life to God and you ask him, the Holy Spirit, through the renewal of receiving the Holy Spirit, the old you is dead, the new year, the new you is here then you can begin to walk in the light. You can begin to heal. You can begin to get out of this valley. Trust me, I've tried it all and you don't have to take my word for it and you don't have to believe me, but I promise you one day when you're so sick and tired of being so sick and tired of trying to do this on your own, you will fall to the ground and surrender your life to God and you watch him change your life. I pray that it doesn't take you five more years. It doesn't take you five more minutes of destruction in your life, trying to handle this on your own, getting further and further and further into the valley. I want you to realize this now because you can change now. But if your human nature and your pride is like, no, I don't know. I don't know about this whole God thing. I'm just going to keep doing things my way. I promise you it will not work out. You cannot manage sin on your own. You cannot change on your own. It's everywhere in the Bible. So the devil wants you to create more generational sin for you to pass down. And he wants to pull you away from God. He wants to divide, destroy, and isolate you. That is his number one goal. Divide, destroy, and isolate you. That is what he wants. He wants you to think that I, I can handle this on my own. I'm in control. I trust myself. He wants to make you think that you don't need God and you can't trust God where you don't rely on him. You don't believe his words. And it's not just believing. Remember, it's followed by actions. So he doesn't want you believing in his words. And he also doesn't want you doing the actions to change. So if you believe the words and you're like, okay, I, I believe in the Bible. And this is where I was. I believe in this stuff. I don't not believe in God. I believe in God. 
And I believe in the Bible and I believe the Bible's true. And of course I have questions like, well, how do we know that this is it? And there's a million different religions and everyone claims their religion is the right one. And how, you know, I've had those questions, but ultimately deep down, I'm like, I believe in God. I believe Jesus came here, died on the cross for my sins. I believe in that. Isn't that enough? And for me, it wasn't enough because I wasn't following it up with the actions. I wasn't doing the things that God was telling me to do. Okay. I believe in this. I mean, how many of you don't go to church every single Sunday, but in your heart, you're like, I really should go to church this weekend. We really should go to church. We really should find a Bible study. I really should start reading that Bible. I don't even know where my Bible is. Is it in my closet? Is it under my bed? Like, you know what you need to do. Just like we've talked before, you know how to lose 10 pounds. So it's the actions. The devil doesn't want you doing the actions to get better. So he is completely against you. He's trying to sabotage you. He's trying to ruin your life. He wants you to value things of the world instead of eternity things that actually matter. So there's a scripture, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. This was a huge wake-up call for me. And this was my last wake-up call where I finally woke up. The veil was removed. The scales were off my eyes. I could hear and see everything for what it was. Because for so long, I swapped drugs and alcohol and acceptance for sex. And then I swapped sex for success. And I thought if I had all this stuff, I would feel so good. I would feel like I was worth something. I would feel successful. I would feel valued. I would feel approved of. All the same things that I wanted to feel when I was having sex with random guys. All the same things I wanted to feel when I was drinking and doing drugs and trying to fit in and, and be accepted through high school. It's, it's all the same thing. You're just going to keep swapping one thing for another, for another, for another. You know, now that I became sober, I find myself eating a lot of sugar. I'm like, great. Now I have this sweet tooth. Or I find myself wanting to numb and cope with Netflix where I'm like, I'm just so stressed out right now. I'm just going to go watch TV. And it's just switching one thing for the other. You might not struggle with drugs, but you struggle with a binging problem with overeating, which we're going to talk about those stats. I was valuing things of this world so much. I was idolizing the things of this world, money, success, cars, designer stuff. And that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you focusing and valuing all of the things in this world. You should care more what God thinks rather than someone else. And you might say you do like, yeah, I do. I do care for, are your actions lining up? Or are you putting God to the side because you're a workaholic or are you putting God to the side because of this other issue? The devil wants us to feel worthless and feel like we have no purpose. He wants us coping with anything except God. And he wants us triggered, angry, bitter, and resentful. So let me ask you a question. How successful has the devil been in your life? Have you created more generational sin to pass down? Do you pull away from God? Do you feel isolated? Has he divided you and destroyed relationships that you should have stayed in? You're de destroyed your family unit, destroyed all the things that are good for you? Do you feel like you don't really need God or you can't trust him? You can't rely on him. You don't believe his words and follow his actions. You're valuing things of the world more than things that actually matter. You feel worthless. You have no purpose, you're coping, you're triggered, you're angry, you're bitter, you're resentful. Has he been successful so far?
Because I would say yes. I would say based on the way that these answers are going, he has been successful. And he was very successful in my life. I believed all of these things. I fell right into his trap. And so these next few questions were the ones, it was the biggest category. And when I looked at it, I saw how much the devil is at work. And these numbers are, most of them are very high. 47% have thought about leaving your husband. 47%. So this is dividing your family, right? This is separating that. It's destroying your family unit. It's creating generational sin. 19% have been through divorce. Again, destroying, dividing. You probably also in both of these categories have probably experienced a lot of other things like emotional, sexual, physical abuse. You also could have experienced a lot of heartache, cheating, shame, guilt. That's all kind of wrapped up in this too. 42% of you currently struggle with your mental health. 42%. 75% have had sex outside of marriage. And we already talked about how that affects you, how that rewires your brain, how it changes you and causes more issues. And that's his goal. He's like, don't you want to have sex? Everyone's doing it. And he's been successful because if you look at the stats of the amount of people who have had sex outside of marriage 50 years ago versus today, I mean, it would literally blow you away. And, and even just reading the Bible, you know, people back in the Bible times, if you had sex outside of marriage, you were beheaded. Literally, as a woman, if you had sex outside of marriage, they chopped your head off. And nowadays, why not? It's normal. It's the norm. It's what the majority of people are doing. 75% of us have had sex outside of marriage. That number wasn't 75% back in the days of Mary and Joseph. I'll tell you that right now. You know, it's just because in the Bible talks about, he talks about the great falling away of God and what's in revelations. He talks about what's going to happen in the end times how things are going to be. People are going to hate each other. People are going to be committing adultery like crazy. People are going to be lusting. They're going to be greedy. They're Hello, this literally the time we're living in. 75% of people are having sex outside of marriage. It's what he was talking about. 15% have had an abortion. And I want to tell you with this, I, I, there's a lot of Christians that I see that always share like anti-abortion and pro-life and they're very vocal on social media about abortion. And I get it. Education is very important and you need to know what is happening in the world. And I get that. But there was a study that was done that said 40% of women inside of the church who normally attend church, 40% of them have had an abortion. So by sharing information about anti-abortion and pro-life and all you're doing if you don't do it in the right way is you're just, you're just sharing condemnation. You're just sharing shame and guilt and you're making people feel bad. Yes. Are abortions bad? 100%. Is cheating on your spouse bad? Yup. Is doing drugs bad? Yup. Is lying bad? Yup. A sin is a sin. Has God forgiven all of us? Yes. Has he forgiven the people who have had an abortion? 100%. So 
this is a really great way to, to re remember and to kind of put it into perspective. If this is God making you feel guilty and shameful or the devil, God's word says that he will never bring up your sin ever again. After you confess and say, God, I am sorry. I am so sorry. I had this abortion. It was wrong. I am sorry. Forgive me, Lord. I will not do it again. Change me. Please help me, Lord. I am so sorry. He immediately stretches your sin. He throws it as far as from the east is to the west, infinity. It is so far away. And he promises to never bring it back up. So if someone is bringing it back up in your life, it is not scriptural and you should not listen to them and do not let them put shame and condemnation on you. And if the person is you bringing it back up and you can't get over it, you can't forgive yourself and you can't move on. It's the devil in your head trying to make you feel even more shame and even more guilt. Don't let him win. He already had a small win by you committing a sin in general don't let him continue to have the win by having your heart with it. God knows our heart. It's okay if our actions don't line up all the time. He knows we're not perfect. He knows we're going to sin. He knows that we're going to fall short. If he didn't know that, he wouldn't have sent his son to be crucified for us. That is why he sent his son here. Because we all fall short of the glory of God. 35% of you say that you consider yourself to be an angry mom. And that is a trigger. If you are the one who said yes, you need to get the book triggered by Amber Leah and Wendy Speak because it will tell you all different triggers. It's a very easy read. I think it's 30 different triggers over 30 days. So you just read like a page a day. It's very easy. And each page is a different trigger. I used to be an angry mom. I used to call myself the Hulk mom and I would always be screaming and yelling at everyone in my house, I was the mom that was like, nobody will listen to me unless I'm screaming at them. Like, why do you make me scream at you before you listen to me? And then what happens is I'm angry and I'm screaming and I'm yelling and I'm mad. And then what? Then I feel guilty. And you don't have to be an angry mom. I am no longer an angry mom at all. I don't ever yell. I don't ever feel like extremely heated and angry and just out of control anymore. And it's not because of things that I've done in my own strength. It's because the closer I got to God and the more I learned who I was, the less I was triggered. So yeah, do my kids still get on my nerves? A hundred percent. Like Some days I'm like, get out of my face. Don't come in my room. Don't talk to me. I need like five minutes alone. Okay. I'm still, I still have boundaries. I, I still have rules, but I'm not triggered and just exploding all the time, just screaming and yelling and feeling out of control in my own anger. There is a way to change this. And the 35% of you, you need to get that book. That's a great action step that you can take. 30% don't think you're a good mom. And this comes from your worth. I would almost guarantee that if you said yes, that you don't think you're a good mom, it's probably because of generational sin. And it's things that you're doing and it's a lack of worth and value. That's where that's coming from. So if you learn your identity and your true value, which I'm going to talk about at the very end, I'm going to give you some resources that will change. And you will think that you're a good mom because you are a good mom. I, I am going to post a reel today. And I, I asked my, I was in the car with my daughter and I just, it's just an audio. You can't see her because I didn't want her to see my camera, but I told her, I said, Skylar, I just feel like such a bad mom. 
And she was like, why? I'm like, I don't know. I just think I'm a bad mom. And her response was just so sweet. And I promise you, no matter how bad of a mom you think you are, I promise you, your kids could say so many nice things about you. Even if you're abusive, even if you are emotionally abusive, physically abusive, I I know that you don't want to be these things and you don't know how to change and it's hard for you. And these are real issues here. There are women who say nasty things to their kids. I have even said nasty things to my kids. Uh, It just comes out of us because we're triggered because that's how we were raised. You hated that your mom always screamed at you and was angry, but here you are, just like your mom. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But you can change this. This can be changed. You can look forward into the future and not live in your past. 46% of you hate the way you look. 15% hate who you are. Again, it's not knowing your value. It's not knowing your identity. And hating the way you look, God made you look this way. And he says, don't care about gold hoops. And literally the word mascara is in the Bible. Can you even believe that? My mom sent it to me one time. She's like, they had mascara back in Jesus' times. I'm like, I guess. It said, don't care about gold hoops and mascara and the clothes you wear and the makeup you have and your hair and what you look like. It doesn't matter. Don't set your mind on worldly things. Set it on things above. Stop being so focused on how you look. But with social media in our hands, in billboards and magazines, in the marketing world, constantly telling us we're not enough, we don't have enough, we need to look like them, airbrush and photo editing and filters and all of this stuff, it makes it really hard because we're constantly just comparing ourselves. Like, oh, her hair looks so cute. I wish my hair looked like that. I wish I dressed like that. I wish I was skinnier. I wish my boobs were bigger. I wish that my jeans fit me better. I wish I had a better style. I wish I had better looks. I wish my lips were bigger. I wish my lashes were longer. I wish my teeth were straighter. I wish they were whiter. I wish I was tanner. I wish all these things that we say. And that's not doing anything. And it's also not doing anything if you have children and you have daughters, because whether you say these things out loud to them or not, they will inherit this way that you think about yourself. Um. have kept these struggles to yourself because you are afraid of being judged. That's the way the devil's isolating you. 63% of you feel lonely. Both of those numbers are huge. 63% feel lonely. We're in a world that is more connected or supposedly more connected than ever before. So why do we feel so lonely? It's because we don't feel like we can be our true authentic self. We can't be fully known because we're afraid of judgment. We're afraid of our past. 11% don't believe that God can really help them with their issues, which is not true. That's straight from the devil's mouth himself. 41% have felt like God could not love or forgive them. That's a lot of people. 41% that God cannot forgive me or love me. That is the biggest lie I have heard from the devil. The biggest one. That is absolutely not true. And I can't help but think of all the thoughts that you're thinking because of that rooted answer to that question. You truly feel like God doesn't love you or forgive you. I mean, that causes so much heartache and problems in your life. 
37% of you have an overspending problem that's causing problems in your life. And that right there is just because you value stuff. You value things of the world more. It's not your fault. You've been tricked into it. 25% have more than $10,000 in credit card debt and it stresses you out. Again, idolizing stuff, being more concerned about the world and the stuff that you need to keep up with the Joneses or to look good or to be valuable or whatever it is. Uh, my grandma told me a story. She said that when she was younger, she was 21, she had just gotten married. She just had her first baby. She said the street that she lived on, all of the neighbors would go all out for Halloween and they would decorate and they would have everything on their lawn. You know, back in the day, they didn't have the 10 foot skeletons like we have now or the huge inflatables, you know, all that stuff. So I really do wonder like what that meant. <laughs> I'm like, I wish I had a picture. But she said everyone went all out and they didn't really have a lot of money. And so she said that she would literally charge, put on a credit card decoration so she would keep up with the rest of the family around her so she didn't feel left out. She went into debt for, for Halloween decorations. How many of us put Halloween decorations or Halloween costumes or candy on a credit card? How many of us put Christmas presents on a credit card? I have credit cards too. I do the same thing. I'm not trying to make you feel terrible, but it's this whole like keeping up with the Joneses. We need to feel approved of. We need, look what I have. Look at my purse. Look at my clothes. You don't need more stuff. And 51% of you, actually 51.2% would say that they have a binging problem with eating or social media. So all social media is doing is getting you to compare yourself to other people. It's also just robbing you of being present in the moment. You're focusing on what's happening in the world, not what's happening in your world, in your home, with your kids, with your family. So social media is just robbing you from that. And then a binging problem with eating or Netflix, you're just coping. It's a way to feel better. It's a way to numb the pain, overeating, binging Netflix. You're turning your brain off. You're just shutting it off. The number one thing that ever, that um, had the highest scoring yes was I asked the question at the end, I need more godly friends that I can trust. 71% of people said yes. We all, and I think the 29% the that said no, I would say that you probably already have a lot of godly friends that you can trust and you don't really need any more. You're very blessed. You feel like I have a lot of godly friends in my life. We all desire connection, closeness, belonging, purpose, value. It's how God created us to be. That's why we've answered yes on these questions above is because we want to feel desired and connected and belonging and closeness and purpose and value. God says that that's how we're supposed to feel. So I'm going to post on a link in my bio after this call. So if you're listening to the recording, it's already there. Click the link in my bio, scroll all the way to the bottom under resources. And I am going to have a paper that you can print out. And it tells you who you are, your inheritance and your identity in Christ. This is from Priscilla Shire. This is not from me. It's in her book, Defined, which is one of the resources I wanted to tell you. If you answered yes to a lot of these questions, you desperately need to get the study called Defined by Priscilla Shire. 
It's also linked in my bio at the bottom under resources. And it teaches you your identity. And it talks about who you are in Christ. And it gives you the scriptures. It's a devotional. It's phenomenal. It's $15.99 on Amazon. It's so great. You will love it. It will transform your life. And if you want to print this out, you can go in that link and you can print out this inheritance and identity in Christ. So you can put it up somewhere and you can read it and you can see it. Um, I'm not going to give the addresses of the Bible where these are just for sake of time. I just want to read a few of them, but it says, and, and we changed them all. Well, we, I say we, like me and Priscilla did this together. Um, I feel like I've spent so much time with her, like we're friends. Um, but she's changed these to be like affirmation. So I am a child of God. I have peace with God. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I have access to God's wisdom. I am helped by God. I am reconciled to God. I am justified. I have Christ's righteousness. I am Christ's ambassador. I am completely forgiven. I am tenderly loved by God. I am the sweet fragrance of Christ to God. I am a temple in which God dwells. I am blameless. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. I am a branch of Christ's vine. I am Christ's friend. I am chosen by Christ to bear fruit. I am united with the Lord. I am a member of his body. I am a saint. I am hidden with Christ in God. I am chosen by him, holy and dearly loved. I am a child of light. I am a member of a chosen race. I have been rescued from Satan's domain. I have been made complete in Christ. I have been given a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. I am free from any condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I am a citizen of heaven. I am a personal witness of Christ. I am God's coworker. I am his workmanship. This is who you are. This is your inheritance. This is your true identity. This is the truth. This is what God says you are. And by reading these over and over, it will eventually make an impression in your brain. Make sure you're reading them out loud because then you're, you're seeing them with your eyes and you're reading it with your brain. You're saying it out loud and then you're hearing yourself say it. So it's affecting you even more than if you just, you know, read it silently in your mind. Put this somewhere where your family can see it. Put it on the fridge with a magnet. So your kids can see this, put this up in the bathroom, make 10 copies and put them all over your house. Take a picture of it and put it on your phone as your lock screen. Whatever you have to do to let this sink in. This is so important to read these daily and then get the defined study by Priscilla Shire and start with that. Listen to the wake up podcast as many days as you can. First thing in the morning, there's now 89 episodes. Pray first, look through the episodes, read the descriptions and click on any one that connects to your heart. Start setting your mind on things above first thing in the morning. And the last resource I want to tell you is get healing, go to therapy. You are not weak because you're going to a counselor or to a therapist. Therapy last year for me was life-changing. It was incredible. So even if you don't have this super messed up life where you're like, things have been pretty good. Like I answered no on most of those things, but you answered yes on some of them, you still would benefit so much from outside help. Someone who is not in your emotion, someone who's not inside of your brain, but they can see it from a different perspective. So my last point is that I want you to know that you are not alone. You are not crazy. You are not abnormal. You are not your sin. 
You should not have shame and guilt for who you were. That's who you were. You are a new creation in Christ. Every single day you are made new in him. Do not let the devil have a hold of your life anymore. Do not let him isolate you. Do not let him divide and destroy your family and your life and your mental health anymore. God created you for a purpose. He has a purpose for you. He wants you to prosper. He didn't create you to have this life that you're in right now. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to bear much fruit. He wants you free and confident and joyful. That's who he wants you to be. Right now, we're settling for things of this world. We're settling for getting drunk and it numbing our pain. We're settling from doing drugs, from sleeping around, overspending. To, we're settling for all of these things. You might feel fun while you're drinking, but I promise the joy of the Lord is a million times better than that. Start coping with God. Start spending time with him. Listen to other episodes. Get the defined study. You can even do it with a daughter if you have a daughter who's, I would say, maybe like eight or older. It's very good for them. Change your generations. You are strong enough to change this. You are. You are strong because you have Christ with you. Don't let him think that you're the only one anymore. You are not the only one going through this. You are in good company. Okay, if you need me, book on my call, on my calendar for a clarity call. I would love to talk to you even more. Thank you for listening to this. Share this with someone. If you felt like this was life-giving and you have someone in your mind that you think would really benefit from listening to this. And I love you and I believe in you. And I am just so honored to be able to speak to you and that God has used me as a vessel. It is truly just such a privilege. So I love you all so much. Thank you for being here especially those of you live. Thank you. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening and spending your morning with me. I pray that God blesses your day and that he helps you to see the calling that is on your life. Lord, help us to be obedient to what you've called us to do. Help us to walk in our day side by side with you and link with your power instead of trying to do it on our own. We know we cannot do this on our own, although we try. Please continue to help us and continue to lead us and guide us. We love you so much in Jesus's holy name. Amen. Have a blessed day. Thanks for being here. Oh, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Taryn Sarconi so that you can grow with me and you can learn how to get out of the valley, how to stay out of the valley and exactly what to do to have the best life ever in 2022.